The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. If you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, in your copies. Matthew, chapter 1, and slip down to verse uh, 18, if you would. Matthew, chapter 1, and down to verse 18. I'm going to read a couple of texts. Uh, to under, undergird and to um, enhance our understanding of our, our study from the Apostles' Creed this morning. Look with me in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus. The birth of who? Jesus Christ. Took place in this way. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. His birth took place this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. That's a euphemism. In other words, they haven't consummated the marriage in the marriage bed. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. So if you got your Bibles, please hold on to them just for a moment. I want to read a couple of other texts for you. And, um, and there's a reason why. Uh, We are studying affirmations and declarations that we believe in the Apostles' Creed. Now, creeds are biblical, and the Bible's full of creeds. In fact, in just a moment, I'm going to quote one. Um, I'm going to quote one from the Bible, an early creed that's in the Bible. But, of course, creeds in the Bible, we just know that's Bible. But what the early church did, they took the form of creeds and said, this is a helpful tool for discipleship. For protecting true doctrine against false doctrine. Uh, it's helpful for unity. It's helpful for a number of things. So let's make use of creeds. Now most of them were developed to answer heresies. But the first creed that we have that made its presence formally into the church is this that we call the Apostles' Creed. 
Now, um, the Apostles' Creed, in a sense, something that's very helpful here uh, is, um, is to know that the creed is only so good as it is faithful to biblical truth. If it's telling us to believe something, then we've got to know that what it's telling us to believe is faithful from the word of truth. And so that's why all of these sermons on these creedal statements, I'm taking you back to the very text from which it's drawn from in the apostles' teaching. In fact, you know, a lot of times we talk about how the Bible is the inspired, and rightly so, the inspired and errant word of God. Down to what? Every word. Down to what? The order of words. Down to what? The letters. Down to what? The punctuation. Remember Jesus said, not one jot, that's the smallest Greek letter, Yoda. Not one tittle, smallest punctuation shall pass away until all is fulfilled. Well, the Apostles' Creed kind of bears that in that it's very important to understand the punctuation. If the apostrophe is in front of the S, it means that what you are confessing came from the Apostles and was authored by the Apostles. But that's not where it is. It's after the S. That tells you it it was not authored by the apostles, but it is a compilation in the second century of what many of those who were discipled by disciples of the apostles. And what they're saying is what we are putting together is apostolic. So where do you find out if it's apostolic? You go to the Bible. You go specifically to the New Testament that gives us the expositions and declarations of biblical Christianity. So these creedal statements to be the apostles, apostrophe, creed, have to be faithful to the word of God. And if faithful to the word of God, then what are these saying that we are confessing? We are at two points today, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Therefore, we want to know the text that they're drawn from. And by the way, they're just simply quoted from these texts. I've already read Matthew 1. Can I read two more for you? Would you take your copies of God's Word and go from Matthew over to Luke? Skip Mark. Mark begins his gospel account of Jesus' life at his public ministry at his baptism. But Luke, like Matthew, takes you all the way to the beginning of his humanity, his human life, which takes you back to where? To the womb. Both of them take you back to the womb. So go to Luke, go to chapter 1, and as you get to chapter 1, slip down with me to verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed. In other words, first step of marriage, betrothal had happened. Third step of marriage, consummation has not happened. To a virgin betrothed uh, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. That's another word for grace. You have been graced with God by God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. Now notice, not you and Joseph, you will conceive in your womb and you, the virgin, will bear a son. 
and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and you will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of the father of his father David. And he will reign over the house of his father, the house of Jacob, forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Well, Mary says, well, wait just a minute. Uh, Mary said, how will this be, since I am a virgin? In other words, how can I conceive and have still the status of a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore you, and therefore the child to be born will be called holy. The Son of God. Are y'all hearing all of last week's affirmation in all these texts? You're hearing it, right? I believe in Jesus all over here. The Christ all over here. The only Son of God all over here. Our Lord all over here. Now, he's telling us how he comes to us. How he gets here. Let me go to one other text. Go to another gospel. Just keep going to your right to John chapter 1. John's words concerning the incarnation. Matthew and uh, Luke take you into time. For the incarnation clarity, John takes you into eternity. The one who has come to be born in the flesh. Who is this son of God? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning... Was the word. So when beginnings began, the word, that's another title for Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the word was there in the beginning. And the word was with God. That is, in the Godhead, there is fellowship between the Father and the Word and, of course, the Holy Spirit. And the Word was God. By the way, was is in a certain tense. It means was and always is God. And what he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, as the Father created, he did so through this one called the Word. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, how does this one from all eternity get here to save us, the Son of God? Go to verse 14. And the Word becomes flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So who is this word? He's the eternal, not, not created, not made. The son whose status is eternally begotten. This son who was with the father, who came from the father, through whom the father made all things. And now through whom he is going to redeem his people. He has become man. Still God, but now has become man. And when you see him, you have seen the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You've got a measure of grace. I've got a measure of grace. You have a measure of truth. I've got a measure of truth. This man, this man, the Son of God having come in the flesh, was full of grace, full of glory, full of truth. And we have beheld the Father when we have beheld Him. Uh, One more passage. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. 
Hebrews chapter 2. Keep going to your right. I know it's Hebrews, but it's not in the Old Testament. Keep going. If you get near James, you're close. So here we are. Hebrews chapter 2. We have this statement about our Savior's birth. Look, if you would, uh, in verse Oh, let's just pick up at verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. So he's going to save those children of God that are given to him by the father, the elect of God. So what does he say now? Since therefore the children, what children? The one God's given to him. Since they share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So in other words, he's coming to save the elect of God through his redeeming work, and the elect of God live in a true body with a reasonable soul, and so he will have a true body. He will partake of the same. That's why he will... That's why he'll get hungry. He'll get thirsty. He has a true body. Uh, That's why also he has a reasonable soul. My soul within me. That he was agonizing in his soul in the garden of Gethsemane. So he has a true human soul and a true body yet without sin because he didn't come from the seed of Adam. He came as the seed through the Holy Spirit's bringing of the seed to the woman and the woman then conceiving in her womb and bringing forth that child. So he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now, just a couple of thoughts, if I can give these to you, but back up just a little bit. So we get to the Apostles' Creed. And if we had done it this morning, we would have gone over what we've already done. I believe, credo. Then you get to the creed. Credo is believing. Creed is what you believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Then comes this lengthy affirmation on God the Son. And it becomes a focal point. This apostolic doctrine that give us our salvation statements. And in it, it says, he says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus, historical Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, 2,000 years ago. Real person, real time. I believe in Jesus. Christ is not his last name. That's his title. I believe in Jesus, the anointed one, the Christos, the Messiah, the prophet, The priest, the king, the one that's greater than Moses as the prophet, who is the word and brings the final word. I believe in the one greater than Melchizedek and Levi, that is Jesus, the high priest, the priest of God, who brings the sacrifice, who is the sacrifice. I believe in Jesus, 
the king, the one greater than David, the one who is the shepherd king who will bring us into a new heavens and a new earth by his grace and for his glory. I believe in Jesus Christ. His, that is God the Father's, only Son. He's the only way because he's the only Son. And if he doesn't make a way, then you have no way. But he is the way, the truth, and the life. Then, who is blessed by him? Those who are able together to say, our Lord, because personally they have said, my Lord. Just like Thomas, my Lord and my God. That they have personally come to him. Now we move to this rapid fire. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried, descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascends into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Rapid fire 13 declarations of the one that you just confessed. Now remember last week. I just wanted to point out to you that in this more expanded statement of the second person, nothing about what he taught is quoted from the Bible. Nothing. We've got six sermons of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. But none of the quotes are there. Now, why would that be? Because this is telling us the apostolic message of the Gospel news And that is how men and women who are wrong with God can be right with God and God be right within them. That's good news, gospel, how you can be saved from your sins. You're going to the essence of it in the Apostles' Creed. And as he goes to the essence of it, he is giving you the essentials. And as he goes to the essentials, it is only reminding us you are not saved by what Jesus taught And what you know that he taught. And what you do with what he taught. You are saved by who he is and what he did. You don't contribute to salvation. Well, Harry, I had to believe. Well, you got that too. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so last week we looked at the affirmation of who he is. I believe in Jesus, the Christ, the only the only son of God, our Lord. Now we start with what he did. And we've got 13 of them. And they have a flow that you've already confessed that we are saved through Christ's humiliation And exaltation. He humbled himself for our salvation. And he is exalted as our savior. And those 13 take you through it. First, his humiliation. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Crucified. Dead. Buried. Descended into hell. uh, Descended into hell. All of those are taking you through his humiliation to save you. Then comes his exaltation. On the third day, he rose again. 
He ascended into heaven and he ascended at the right hand of God, the father almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And you have you not only have the flow of humiliation to exaltation, which, by the way, is our life, isn't it? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will what? Exalt you at the right time. And so here is Jesus' humiliation for our salvation, his exaltation because of our salvation. And also, you get ten statements of what he did to save you. And then you get three statements of what he will do to complete you and bring you to glory. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He was dead. He's buried. He descended into hell. Now, now, third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. That's what he has done. That's history. Now comes what he will do to complete what he did. He shall come again to judge the living and the dead. But it starts with the conception and the birth. These 13 statements, none of them are the gospel. But every one of them is necessary for there to be a gospel. No one of them is the gospel. But every one of them is crucial that you have a gospel. Who he is and what he's done. And he can't suffer and die and be raised and go to a grave He can't do that savingly unless he has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And that's where we start. Let me just give you three thoughts around it and then a takeaway. Here's the first thought with it. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary is here because it affirms and explains scripture. Specific scripture passages. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 1? Joseph, he's in a quandary. Mary is with child. We haven't been together. We haven't been with each other. She's with child. That means, well, I don't want to embarrass her, but out of righteousness sake, I can't affirm this with marriage of her. So I can't do that. So what am I tell you what I'm going to, I'm going to divorce her secretly and then come. Hey, don't fear. Don't fear. I know you're working through this. Angel says, don't fear. Let me tell you why. What you think is true is not true. Let me tell you what's true. The child she has is one that has been conceived within her womb. And it is the gift and power of the Holy Spirit that has placed this child that is there. And this child is none other than the Son of God, Emmanuel. You'll call him Yeshua because God has come to save. You'll call him Emmanuel because God has come to save by being one of us and with us. And that's the way he directs Joseph. And then he says, Joseph, no wild tale here. You've already known about this. Remember growing up and you were taught Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall give birth to a son 
And you shall call his name Emmanuel. For he will save his people from their sins. This affirms and explains the scripture. It not only affirms and explains the scripture of Isaiah 7.14. It affirms and explains Genesis 3.15. What seems to be nonsense all of a sudden makes sense. Because as the curse of sin falls upon humanity, God says to Eve that he will put enmity between her seed and the seed of the serpent. But your seed shall crush the head of the serpent, though his heel is bruised. Now, which is the lethal blow, the head or the heel? The head. But it'll cost. Bruise the heel. But now wait. Hold it. This doesn't make sense. Why? Women don't have seed. Women don't have seed. This seems to be nonsensical. But now it's affirmed and explained. The woman, Mary. Mary has seed. Not from Joseph and the line of Adam. She has seed that the Holy Spirit has brought and implanted this zygote. Son of God, son of man. In her womb. Fastened to the umbilical cord. Nourished from her body. Bearing the DNA of her body. And he will be born with flesh and blood and all the weaknesses of that flesh and blood that we have. He will be born with it. And without sin, because he has no sin nature from Adam's seed. But with all of the weaknesses we face with a human body and a reasonable soul. And he'll be tempted at every point like unto us. And he will go through every point of life like unto us. I mean, let me ask you a question. Could Mary and Joseph gotten married and come home one day and at the doorstep is a little basket with a baby in it? It says, hi, name Jesus. My name's Gabriel. I left this here. This is Jesus. You know, raise him up. Sure. Could have done that. I mean, miraculously. We could have pulled that off. Or how about just at age 30, there's a knock on the door. Hi, I'm Jesus. I mean, you remember Jesus has had appearances. Now, he wasn't a man, but he had appearances as a man. They call him Christophanes in the Old Testament. Couldn't Jesus have just showed up at age 70 and said, you know, at age 30, I can be the Messiah, prophet, priest, and king. So I'm going to go get baptized. But first, I'm showing up here. You're my appointed. You're my adopted father and mother. And I, I, could he have showed up there at age 30? Yeah. But then that would not have fulfilled the scripture. Well, number one, he's got to be of David's line. The scripture says so. He's got to be of the tribe of Judah. He's got to be of Abraham. And he's got to be of Adam's race. So you get two genealogies. To affirm that that Old Testament Messiah promise is fulfilled. By a man comes death. By a man 
comes the resurrection of the dead. Can I give you a practical thing? Now, I can minister to all these teenagers and college students. And uh, I can minister to all of them. And I can say to them, I know you're going through a tough time. But Jesus said, there's nothing taking you that is not common to man. And he was tempted at every point like you. He didn't show up at age 30. Came as a zygote. He was birthed. He had a childhood. He grew in wisdom. Can't you imagine it? Mom, I got my catechism. Good job, Jesus. And by the way, I also did my geometry. Well, they didn't have that, but something like it, whatever they had. Uh, He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. Hey, Dad, hey, those beams you carry, I can carry them. Guess what beams one day he'll carry? But, Dad, I'm old. I can carry them now. Can I go to work with you tomorrow? Look how tall I am now, Dad. He grew in favor with God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. As in his humanity, he took obedient step after obedient step and did not sin. Mother made the cookies. She said, don't get them. He didn't sneak it out. And those brothers and sisters, they wanted an argument. He said, no. Only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment. And what will that cause? That will cause not only grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. Can't you imagine the neighbors? You know, Mary and Joseph. I'm telling you, your son is like he dropped out of heaven. I mean, he comes over and helps me out. I watch him with his brothers and sisters. I see him, man. You, y'all have done some significant parenting. He grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with men. He was a real man. From a real zygote. Through development. Down a birth canal. With a real birth. Not a supernatural birth. It's a supernatural conception. It was a real birth. With all due respect to a way in a manger. No crying he made is probably not accurate. He did what every other baby does in yelping for that first breath. But that's not when his life began. And the Bible's clear to you on this. The one who can redeem life begins life where life begins conceived in the womb. And the reason it has to be a virgin is not because the marriage bed is not holy. It's not because there's something sinful about the intimacy of a marriage bed. When David says in sin, my mother conceived me, he is not speaking of the marital act. He is saying the sin record you get from Adam begins at conception. Because you begin at conception. There's life right there. And so he is a man to save men and women from their sins. And he comes when men and women begin their life. 
conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you can go to him. He was a teenager. He was a child. I'm sure he graduated from synagogue school. I'm sure he went through all of that. And you can call upon him. And everywhere you go in life, there's no virgin territory. His footsteps are there. And you can speak to him. This is the one who has come to save us from our sins. Well, I've got to just give you these other two headings, and I'm out of time. So let me just give it to you uh, very quickly. Uh, secondly, he affirms and explains the preceding affirmations. In other words, now you see, how can this historical Jesus be the Christ? Because he's the Son of God. Well, how can the Son of God uh, be a Christ? Because by a man comes death, by a man must come the resurrection of the dead. And this is the one that's eternal. Remember what he said to a, he said to the uh, uh, to the Pharisees before Abraham was, I am. This is the one who in the beginning was with God, who was God and always will be God. He has now come in the flesh. And so this one is now Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, is the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And this one who is God with us has come to save us from our sins. He has humbled himself and is now exalted. It's the only case of humiliation by subtract uh, by uh, subtraction. I don't think I've said this. Uh, you know, when you preach three times in a row, sometimes you forget whether you've said it or not. But but this is this is humiliation by addition, not subtraction. See, most of the time we think of humiliation as something I give up. It is, but it's more than that with Jesus. Have this mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to, but emptied himself, not of Godhead, but of its privileges, emptied himself. That's subtraction. Next phrase. And took upon himself to be found in appearance as a man. That's addition. That was humiliation. As deity became humanity, as maintaining deity. So away with the Sicinians, away with the Arians, uh, the the um, Arius uh, uh, heresy, and away, and away with all the cults. Jesus is not a man who lived a great life, so God made him God. This is Jesus is God becoming a man, not man becoming God, God becoming a true man so that he could save us from our sins. Because by a man came a death, came death by a man comes the resurrection of the dead. Thirdly, he affirms and explains the gospel provisions and assurances. When I was in Charlotte, uh, some of you are aware that I have a relationship that preceded my op- my privilege to be a pastor at Briarwood, and that was the relationship that I enjoyed as a church planter from Briarwood when I went to Charlotte. And uh, while I was there in Charlotte, there was an Episcopalian priest who actually used to be a Baptist, and he chose the wrong seminary. And um, he not only left being a Baptist, but worse than that, uh, he left being uh, he left Christian theology for theological liberalism, which is not a subset of Christianity. It is anti-Christian. 
Uh, and so um, his name was uh, John Shelby Strong. And he wrote a book. And in the book, here's what he said. Evangelical Christianity is nothing more than what the first century followers of Christ wanted to be true. And that is pagan myths. Thus, the Bible has a pagan myth of God's entrance into humanity. It's called the Incarnation, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And then you have to have a pagan myth for the exit. It's called the resurrection and the ascension. What we say is the conception and birth of Jesus was a gospel blessing that brings gospel assurances that Jesus can save because he is truly man. And he is the new Adam because he is God having come in the flesh to save us from our sins. The miracle, I repeat, is not a virgin birth. The miracle is a virgin gave birth because of the because of the miraculous conception of the Holy Spirit. And I love the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details on this, but I love the phrase that is used. Mary said, I can just hear Mary. You know, I took biology 101 and how can this be? I'm still a virgin. How can this be? And what does the angel say? Mary, the power of the Holy One. The Holy Spirit, don't you love this phrase, shall overshadow you, shall overshadow you. We don't know a thing about Mary before this happens until Gabriel comes and identifies her as the favored one. She doesn't merit this. She hasn't had an immaculate conception for her birth. This is, just like she said, this is, I've given birth to my Savior. That's who this is. She is a godly woman. There is no doubt about that. She has been faithful to the Word of God to maintain her sexual purity until marriage. But this is one that we know nothing about until the Spirit of God sends the angel of God. And the angel of God comes before her to tell her that the Spirit of God will overshadow her. And then she says, not, I'll do it. She says, let it be done to me as you have said. And just as Joseph does not contribute, neither does Mary. It is the work of the Spirit of God in the conception. And then the virgin is maintained her her virginity and then gives birth to the glory of God. So what is the takeaway? Here it is. God, we're going to keep building on these as we work our way through these 13 declarations. God has come to us. Not only to seek us. You want Jesus to say, I've come to seek and to save the lost. But he didn't come just to seek us. He came to save us. God has not only come to seek us, but to save us from our sins. And our only contribution to salvation, our only contribution, are the sins from which God, by his grace, 
saves us, from which God, by his grace, saves us through Jesus, the Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And if you ever thought that there's something we got to do to make this thing work, well, at least you would go to his adopted father and his appointed mother. But then when we go there, we find out what they they are passive, just like we are passive in our salvation. Our, I am not saying Christians who are saved are passive. Oh, no, 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 no. We love what Jesus teaches. We're hungering for his word. We want to obey him. But our obedience is never more. But gloriously is the evidence of our salvation, not a contribution to our salvation. And it's true of Joseph and Mary, just as it's true of us. That he came to seek us and to save us because he has loved us, to save us from our sins. And when he has come for us, then we can be saved by his grace and for his glory. Now, if you got here early, then you, like me, were probably a little overwhelmed. And you, well, if you got here late, although you missed a great hymn and a couple of other things, um, but you kind of got the feeling and said, man, what, did I miss something? I mean, oh, come all you faithful, silent night, Luke 2, Luke 1, Matthew 1. This is June, isn't it? Well, listen, folks, I love the Advent season. I think it's a great opportunity for outreach. It's not binding on the conscience. It never should be. But it's a great outreach, and I love to use it. And that's fine. But what we had, we didn't have Christmas in June, Christmas in December. We didn't have Christmas in June. What we had was Christmas in the Apostles' Creed, Christmas in the Gospel is what we've got. That's what we've got. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Who? Jesus the Christ, our Lord, our Savior. And he was born of the Virgin Mary. He's come to save us, to be one of us and among us and to be with us so you can be with him. But I will tell you this, every Christmas season, I see people busily buying Christmas gifts, Christmas parties, Christmas events, and they have no intention of worshiping the Christ of Christmas. But I want you to know something. We have every intention to seek them that they may know the one who came to save them. That's our intention. Because that was the intention that brought us to Christ as God came to save us through his son. I know you know his name is Jesus, Yeshua, God saves. I know you know what his name means. But I don't know. But you know. Not do you know what his name means. But do you know him. As your savior. He. Was conceived by the spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. What's the next thing? To suffer. For you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have loved us to give your only son. And your son has come 
Not only is he the way, the truth, and the life, but he came in the only way that this could have happened. And he came by the power of the Holy Spirit through two instruments who were willing, and their willingness was because of your grace. They were the favored ones. And we, too, by your grace, would receive him. And if there's anyone who hasn't here today who has not yet received this Jesus, would you help them know? Seeing what great things you have done to save us through this great Savior. What a terrible thing it is to fall into the hands of the living God, neglecting and rejecting this salvation. But what a glorious thing it is to receive this Savior and Lord. And Father, for those who have, today would you just take them up another whole level in the joy of their salvation. That their God found a way to bring his son who is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader. Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.